Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. This is Jake Brennan from Disgraceland, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Rock and roll Pantheon Podcasts presents Deeper Digs with host and rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hey, now, you know you never listen, sunshine. You know you're always missing out. You're so proud, diggers. Hey, hey, that's a lyric from the song Sunshine, written by our guest today, Josh Kennedy of the Black Moods. Uh, We will get to all of that in just uh, a little bit, okay? So uh, with episode 19 of Rock and Roll Archaeology out, we're going to try and do two things at once. Well, uh, one of them is more like kill two birds with one stone sort of thing. Um, Yes, we are already working on episode 20 uh, and even had our first uh, production meeting on it. I think we are um, settling in on the major topics, and so that's a huge sign for us uh, to get this done and out quicker. Cross your fingers, because even though I say that we will, uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, We will not release a wine before it's time and all of that. Same with our episodes. But since this will be closing out the first half of the series... And we always knew this was how we would end Volume 1. Theoretically, it should move along uh, much quicker and and not take uh, eight months like it did between Episode 18 and and 19 did. Um, And yes, this will be the last chapter in what we are calling Volume 1, which took us from before uh, the rock and roll era uh, to um, 1970-ish. Um, we're, we're closing out the 60s. We're opening up the 70s here. Uh, we strongly feel the story changes drastically uh, with the new decade. And therefore, you know, we feel we need to change our, our telling a little. When we began, it was easy to tell the story through uh, individuals. And we did that. We focused on the pioneers and were able to do so because it was really such a small club. Uh, once we got to the Beatles we realized the number of players uh, was impossible to tell each individual story. So we we picked our targets, and the best way for us to do that was actually by geography. Uh, if you remember, uh, we did uh, uh, an episode on uh, on the Los Angeles scene, uh, Southern California scene, uh, San Francisco, New York, uh, a little bit of Detroit, um, you know, London, obviously. Uh, and then that even becomes kind of difficult. Uh, in 1969, part one and two, we had to just focus on a single year. Uh, and uh, certainly the end of the 60s was worthy of a of a two-part sprawling epic. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You know, uh, almost four hours of um, podcasting 
material uh, between those two episodes. Um, but now uh, we're going to have to adjust again. Uh, first, because the story is less geographic. Um, as we said in the last episode, rock and roll has literally gone global. And uh, second, because the players have gotten uh, massive. There's just too many of them. Uh, you know, unlike the pioneers of the early days, um, the space just gets more crowded. And while we're still figuring it out, it is probably best we pick genres through the 70s as buckets to tell the stories, kind of like we did with geographies, where we feel that the most important um, of our mission, uh, music, culture, and technology, uh, coming together uh, in this moment of music history, that that's the primary goal. So as long as it's about those three things and how those things wove together to create the feedback loop, I think we're still pretty much telling the story. Though we are going to, I know we're going to hear from you going, what about this guy or what about this band or this woman? Um, we're going to do the best we can. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, it, it does. It gets to be such a, a, a massive story in a great way. Uh, and we will hit on as many as we can. So, all right. So uh, now to hold you over uh, for us to uh, kill the second bird. <laughs> Uh, we're going to reproduce episode one for all of you. Uh, why, you may ask? Well, first, we've just gotten so much better at producing the podcast, and episode one sounds so antiquated and ancient to our ears. Uh, the numbers tell us that, not surprisingly, it is uh, the top episode, uh, so we know it's the entry for most people. Second, we need to put this in shape as a script because it is going to be the pilot to our Hope For um, documentary series. So there you go. Two birds, one stone. We're almost finished with the script of episode one, uh, the rewrite. And so it will be heading into production next week, which means eh, yeah, maybe we're a month away. Um, but again, since this uh, seems more uh, than done. And, uh, and obviously it was done once before. We should be quicker uh, than, you know, a whole new episode like episode 20 um, will inevitably take uh, because we're not having to create this from scratch. All right. So keep listening to the space. I'll keep up the news. I'll keep uh, keep you guys informed on where we're at, what's going on with that. We get a lot of a lot of email on Rock and Roll Archaeology. Really appreciate it. Okay, just want to mention um, Patreon.com Rock and Roll Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to support all we do around here, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, let me give just a shout out to some of our Patreon members. Uh, Lisa, Kenny, Malcolm, Mike, Amy, Francois, Jimmy, Wendy, Anthony, Sarah, Suzette, uh, and Devorin, um, thank you guys so much uh, for uh, continuing with us. You guys, uh, most of you have been around for a while. We greatly appreciate it. Just want to give a quick shout out to all of you. You know who you are. Uh, some of you I talked to um, uh, in uh, uh, in messaging, uh, and uh, and I do really enjoy uh, enjoy that. Uh, all right. Uh, for all of our shows and any other info, you know, go to the network, um, pantheonpodcast.com. Okay, that's it. That's the news. Let's get to it.
This week, we have a new discovery for everyone. Josh Kennedy is the lead guitarist and chief songwriter of the band The Black Moods uh, out of Tempe, Arizona. Uh, if you like some of the new rock and roll that's been rising up over the last few years, and I mean bands like Greta Van Fleet, The Struts, or Bones UK, um, you will probably love these guys. Now, people compare Greta to Zap and The Struts to Queen. Well, in a weird way, this power trio reminds me of Stillwater. You know, the fictional band from Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous. Uh, maybe it's because I just rewatched the film a few weeks ago for the, the 20th anniversary. But but still, the, the almost famous Stillwater guys, you know, they kind of fit in an amalgamation of Zeppelin, Allman Brothers, Skinner. Uh, I'm sure you would gather this if you were paying attention, uh, you know, a little bit about Cameron Crowe's backstory. Um, my point being, the Black Moods are, are not trying to invent something new. Uh, as to more take the reins from the classic sound and make it pertinent to uh, the 21st century. Uh, the Black Moods are made up of Josh uh, and his bandmates uh, Chico Diaz on drums and bassist Jordan Hoffman. Uh, and um, you'll hear they just recently went from Tempe, Arizona to the Ozark uh, for the shutdown uh, by COVID. They just released a new album called Sunshine, 10 songs of straight ahead rock and roll that will get your motor running. Uh, this is their third outing uh, on record uh, and uh, the maturity shows. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's get to me, Josh Kennedy of the Black Moods. I've been watching you and everything you do, how you impress your friends. I should be one of them. Oh, I should be your friend. I see you checking in, so I'll be stepping out. I want to see your face. I hope it's not too late. Welcome to Deeper Digs, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, hey, it's uh, our pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's not often that we get to a chance to talk to um, uh, some newer bands. Uh, you know, you definitely fit into what we're all about here on the, on Deeper Digs and Rock with, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a classic rock feel with what you guys are going for. But, you know, I talk to a lot of legends um, with decades of recording and touring experience to get their thoughts on, you know, this unprecedented situation where we all find ourselves in. Um, but what, uh, you know, what is a band that's still trying to grow into a major act um, you know, think about where the music industry is with this pandemic and what you think is on the other side of it. Um, well, I don't know. We just always kept our nose down, you know, we kept our heads down and just always pushed ahead no matter what. That's we've been, you know, doing it for so long. Uh, we kind of forget that there's anybody, anything else going on but us. Sometimes we get so engulfed in what we're doing, but uh -huh. uh, with the way, we're just trying to get through and adjust 
accordingly because everything's different now, you know, and it's going to be different after all this. There's, there's, it's, it's shifting in a way that, you know, it's unprecedented really for, for the business. Yeah. um, We just keep, we just kind of buckled down and started working on a new record because we can't tour. We made our last record. It took like about two years span to get the thing done because we were touring so much. We would, when we got a, when we had a week or two off in between legs of the tour, we would stop and we would go into the studio instead of taking a week off and we would just go and record and then get three songs in or four songs and back on the road. And we got another break, another two months, we do the same thing. So it took us mm-hmm. long to get this. So since touring's down, we figured we might make a record now. And then when we're touring, when we actually have a week off in between legs of the tour, when it comes back around, we can sleep or do something that normal people do. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. And, <laughs> and, you know, until, uh, you know, you, you, you have so many platinum records yeah, and, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, world record breaking tours, all that, uh, you know, then, then finally one of you will say, okay, fuck it. I've had enough. I need a break. Uh, <laughs> until then you're doing what the old school guys did, man. It was, uh, you know, tour, in the studio, in that break, uh, whenever that might be, tour in the studio, tour in the studio. Tour Absolutely the right, studio. man. And so it is kind of cool that, that, that you know, as you said, you just came out with a new album, Sunshine, uh, here about six weeks ago. It dropped. And you're able to actually go right back into the studio and build upon it. Um, and, you know, hopefully when we do get to the other side of this, you're going to have two records uh, that you're going to be able to promote a lot more material to show off. Uh, and isn't that the whole point of, of this, uh, you know, this rock and roll thing is to have new material, good new material that uh, you can get a rise out of the audience. huh? Yeah, absolutely. And we're really lucky, too, because I, I was telling you that we we moved our entire studio. We packed it up in the bus and from Tempe, Arizona, because normally we're on the road during the summertime. So we not, don't usually have to put up with the Arizona heat. <laughs> and this time with no touring, we're like, yeah. we're going to sit here and just bake, you know, and yeah. can't go outside at all. And, and so we just packed our studio up, brought it to the Ozarks. Uh, our label head, he has a beautiful house here. So we set it up and, Oddly enough, I, I, you know, Eddie Kramer, right, is just the, the yeah. god of, of gods, right? And uh, I'd met him years ago through Gene Simmons, actually. He introduced me to him, and we just kind of kept in touch. And with all this going on, he's, he said, let's, let's do a song track together. We've never – I've worked with him on outside projects, but never with the Black Nudes. And so he, uh, he produced the track for us from his studio in Toronto. And so our whole studio is set up by Eddie Kramer, which is great. So we're having the best tones, the best everything right now. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, so so that is an advantage of yeah. being off the road and you guys, um, you know, quarantining together, moving from Tempe out to the uh, to the Ozarks and uh, uh, and able to really dial in, um, you know, the studio uh, along with, you know, a legend. Yeah, because uh, normally if you, if any other time I've worked with Eddie, it's been in East West or Ocean Way or, you know, a big yeah. studio. That, yeah, the big studios. Yeah. You, know, you get a couple of days in and then when you're done, they break everything down and you're off and that's all the time you get. Well, yeah. He set everything up to Zeppelin specs and he did it in <laughs> Toronto and he took over our our uh he had control of our uh rig, you know, from from Toronto through some software called Audio Movers. So he was mm-hmm. rolling everything and uh 
and we worked on that. Track. So you could see the dials move oh, yeah. as he was controlling it in Toronto. Yeah, and it was just it's 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 kind of revolutionary. It's we've never done it before, and uh, so we documented the whole thing, which was uh -huh. really cool. And then uh, and what we were done, we didn't have to break everything down. So we're using all his tones, all his tricks and methods and everything we, we got to keep. So we're recording for the next two months. You know, as as long as this shit's lasting, we're going to be doing this. You know. Yeah, it, it, I'm afraid it's going to be more than two months. Uh, I know everything that I see. A while. Yeah, it's this year's pretty much toast. Yeah. You know, so uh, uh, everybody that I talk to uh, has been. Yeah, don't even don't even think until uh, probably spring of 2021 and maybe even summer. And and to be honest with you, there's a lot of people that uh, feel that uh, it just is not viable until the vaccine uh, is developed uh, and uh, people, the audience themselves can feel safe. I mean, if you think about trying to get back into a theater, uh, you know, that normally holds 5,000 and their social distancing requirements with 50%, that's 2,500 people. And but but does that economically work for the venue, for the cost of tour, all the support people and things like that? I, I, it's just so hard to kind of the get bad side the other side is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is a bad side. Yeah, well, I think it was just a question of when this sci-fi movie was going to show up. Yeah, uh, given uh, you know the planetary issues and uh, the fact that uh, you know Mother of Nature was going to slap slap us back one way or another, and uh, you know. Yeah. So, but, uh, but at least you're finding something good about it. And that is, uh, continuing to record, uh, you have more time, uh, probably more focused by not having to do it in between, you know, two or legs. So you're not well, dead everything, tired. Yeah. Everything's closed too. So there's no like distractions. We're not getting phone calls. Be like, Hey, come out to the club, have a beer, hang out. Oh yeah. There's all that too. Yeah. And we're always like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe we have a <laughs> beer. You know, next thing you know, you're not getting anything done. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so quarantine is working out for the black moods uh, and uh, we may get uh, a second record uh, out of it uh, fairly quickly. It'll be ready to go. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So coming on over the last decade, uh, you know, what have you kind of seen in the music business that uh, maybe others should emulate uh, if they're just starting out? Hmm. You know, with the social medias and all that stuff, because that's an art form in itself, being able to function and all that, because I'm I'm very not good at that stuff, you know, uh -huh. I'm, I'm more, I, I can sit down and write songs and play guitar and, and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now we're, we're all born with certain gifts and therefore have to give up other gifts. Yeah. Uh, it isn't my bag, but it, <laughs> that's what I've seen the most over the past 10 years to need to be a focus and, and be good at is, is as a band, because you can be successful just through your social medias, your platforms, you know, and not ever play a show. Some of these, yeah. is we've, and we being out on tour with some of these guys, they have huge social media numbers and they suck live that we've seen. And it's like, it's backwards. So where, where we come from is like you, you sit, I sat in my room, my whole entire youth as a kid playing guitar to Clapton songs and, and Creedence Clearwater songs and, there was no YouTubing to figure out how to play it. You listen to the radio and that's how you learn it. And you, you stop the, the cassette or the CD and you rewound it until you got the part down. 
or kids uh -huh. nowadays, you know, they can. You can loop. You can loop one piece. Oh yeah. Uh, over and over again, and just sit there until you're emulating it exactly. Uh, it's it's insane. I mean, it's I'm jealous. <laughs> but uh, but as far as all that goes, I think that's a, that's what I've noticed the most is is uh, being social media savvy is a new is a new art form that I think is is that young bands should be good at. Because well, let me let me ask you this: Is is it replacing radio as uh, kind of like the initial, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, point of entry for an, a new band? In some aspects, I think so. Because uh, if you have, because radio does that too. Uh, you know, that's where we're at right now. We we still go. To, we're going to radio where our single is being pushed right now, and you're up against bands that where radio people look at they look at your socials too numbers yeah so it's it's all incestuous in that kind of in that manner you know but, so if your social media numbers aren't significant then that you know that or, or your social media numbers equal the number of spins you get in a 24-hour cycle it, it's like that you know it's it's very it's yeah, it's strange but and i'm just barely you know learning it Mm -hmm. I'm just now kind of, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a good book learning guy. <laughs> if it's got strings, I can handle it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, like I said, you know, I mean, we're all born with certain skill sets and, uh, you know, and, and then there's the amount of time and interest that it requires to become an expert at something. Uh, and, you know, hey, you know, kudos to you. Uh, uh, unlike, um, you know, a lot of um, uh, younger players, you know, it's not necessarily about, you know, doing the homework and, uh, and the woodshedding and the, 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 the intense uh, practicing that needs to occur. And then the rehearsal with a live act when you know you can get on a computer and and make that damn thing do it all for you right it's and and that's another thing is you can you can do it all you want in the box the computer and all that stuff but inevitably watch, watch watch what you're doing with your your right hand there you're hitting like the microphone oh sorry there was something yeah. i was trying to i was trying to get off there instead of screwing up sorry but um uh that's the thing you got to have you got to be able to play it live you got to be you got to sound good and there's got to be chemistry there. Cause I've seen a lot of bands, they'll, they, they sit in there and they, they record the song and they, they don't get out of their bedroom and they make it all themselves. And then, then it's like, Oh, now I got to go put a band together. And then you got to find a guy, I need you to play your arms and play this part. And it's just stale. And it's frustrating to see bands like that, that I like that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a fan of and then to see them live and to realize that it's just like one guy that made everything and now he's putting it together. And so there's no chemistry in the band. There's, it's everybody's just like, okay, I'm getting my paycheck, you know, might as well yeah. punch in a time clock and work in a Walmart or wherever the hell it is. Yeah, that might work with, uh, you know, with pop princesses and, uh, you know, a plethora of dancers distracting the audience, right. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a, a band for hire. You know, they're all playing the tracks. Like, yeah, you could, you could, every musician could easily just stop playing and the song would keep going. <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh i you know it's entertainment but is it rock and roll no, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely not rock and roll <laughs> yeah yeah i you know so you know that begs the question you know um you know uh you know not only are we living through a pandemic but you know we're we're living through a a, a lot of cultural changes 
that I think are going to uh, take root and be around for a while. I don't think these are temporary issues. You know, we've had some systemic issues in this country for a long time uh, that uh, has been left uh, from being addressed. And it now looks like, um, you know, people are beginning to pay attention to that. And what that means to me is that, you know, usually times like that um, want uh, more authenticity, uh, want music that uh, is perhaps a little more powerful, maybe fits the message of the street a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through this, um, you know, 15, 20 year, uh, maybe not long after, uh, um, after 9-11, uh, where, uh, you know, things were anesthetized. Uh, it was, uh, music was, was kind of uh, not challenging. Uh, and in fact, it had been corporatized far too much. And, you know, when I, when I got a chance to listen to you guys, I didn't hear that. I, I, you know, I heard some, you know, old school classic rock and roll, you know, do you think the world is looking for, uh, for something, what you guys have to offer? Yeah, I hope so. You know, <laughs> well, of course you hope so. I hope so. But, uh, I, I think so. I think, uh, I think what we're doing and w w we haven't changed what we've done. We've always been three guys that's played rock songs. Yeah. Power trio. Yeah. It's, it's just been that way. And I feel like, you know, people are starting to catch on a little bit and know that we're just, that we're sincere in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, you know, it's been, there's been enough of the, the Biebers or whatever, you know, the boy band stuff or yeah, uh, the, uh, what's the, just uh, what we were kind of talking about, the uh, overproduced, oversaturated, just. Yeah, computer generated, yeah. 20 producers, 15 writers. Yeah, I think uh, it, it always fills up to where it finally had just kind of, when Nirvana came in and the hair bands were huge and it just got so saturated with just hairspray and, and you know, makeup and all this stuff. And they came on just like, just knocked it all off the table. I think that's where it's going to get again, where people have had enough of this thin sounding, overproduced, you know, garbage. And it leaves room for the actual organic people, you know, that play music together and then have that, that, you know, rock sensibility where it's just kind of organic and from the earth type of fucking thing. Yeah, that's a great analogy um, going from the hair metal bands of uh, the late 80s into uh, Nirvana, you know, maybe a Guns N' Roses and Metallica step in between. But yeah. certainly, you know, I remember, you know, I was on the strip uh, playing at that time. And, and I can tell you, the scene literally changes within six months uh, from one to another. It, uh, you know, you could literally see it happening on a when those guys came out and yeah it would be nice to see that again i think and a lot of people i talk to you know get you know this say the same thing that you've said that uh you know we you know we've we've taken this um uh, uh chemistry uh type of uh concept of uh of music uh which is you know all uh, put into a package. Uh, everything is uh, uh, done through analytics. Uh, you know, the producers are, are flying in their hooks right at the exact moment that the computer algorithm says it needs to be, which will get the right serotonin to jump off, you know, the whole drop it and, you know, everything. And to, but, but, but it takes so much of the human element out of it. And isn't that the point of art is to make this emotional connection? That's the that's the good stuff, man. The 
that the little the little nuances and little mistakes and you know the the stuff that should stay in there that makes it human is what I love about it the most. Yeah, including the mistakes. Yeah, and and, and that's what Eddie was saying too. He's like, leave that in there, you know. He's yeah. tracking Zeppelin and this kind of stuff and the stuff that they'd leave in there and like how a whole lot of love when they were mixing it. The 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 verb that happens in the breakdown was accidental and him and Paige were kind of looking at each other like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, what a great mistake type of thing. And they keep that stuff in there. That that's what I love about music. You know? Yeah, I, a lot of people don't know. Like, uh, you know, I take Ellie Woman uh, as an example uh, that, you know, it's a song that starts up uh, at about 120 beats per minute, drops down to about 80 beats per minute, and then goes to about 160 beats per minute by the time it ends, you know? Uh, and you're like, it, 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 it has this, this inherent energy to it that's not calculated. It just, it's between the guys that are playing. Yeah, it sounds like guys drinking beers, having a good time. <laughs> Yeah, like it should. That's what mm. got me into it in the first place. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be back in a bit. And now back to the program. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I understand you guys have been doing a, a little bit of the live streaming thing that uh, a lot of people have been taking on as, um, you know, uh, uh, an ability to still uh, you know, uh, attract an audience, uh, keep your name out there, uh, and even, you know, emulate, um, a, uh, a live type of event, uh, but without, without an audience. Uh, how do you like that? And how do you think that's working? And how do you think it might improve? Well, it's very awkward to say the least. I, it, it's, you got we've done like four of them, I think. And yeah, it takes a week of rehearsals to do the one show because now you got videographers come in, you got to, you know, you got to mark where you're at and where they're going to shoot you. And, and then you got to make sure the syncs, the sound syncs with the video, you know, this stuff's for Saturday night live and stuff like that. This, we're not supposed to be doing this kind of thing, but right. the, you know, the weirdest part is that crowd interaction that you're missing because after a song gets done, you're just kind of looking at each other because you know, you know, yeah, it's funny. Our sound engineer, uh, Al, he, uh, we did one and he put in, when, after one of the songs got done, he put a cricket noise in, in our head. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> but that's what it's like, you know? So we miss, I miss that. And is that exchange between the audience and the band. It's, that's what, that's what it's oh like. no the feedback loop is uh, uh you know that's especially for rock and roll uh you know without it it's it's really missing something that you know i've always said that uh, uh rock and roll just never translates very well to the 2d screen it's I, I don't care how big or great the band is it's not the same as being in the room right. uh and you just you can't replicate that i know many have tried over the decades and you know we've gotten some good stuff i mean you know i, I, I don't mind you know listening to uh you know uh the dead uh in their uh, live uh, uh streaming uh you know with an audience and you know back back when they could do this you know and just playing it in the background you know i've seen the dead a million times so i can imagine it all in my head um but again it's still not quite the same as you know having your 
comrades around you, your brothers in arms uh, that are literally enjoying it all at the same time you are. You know, I thought maybe a, an improvement for this live stream is to, you know, set up in the audience a bunch of computer screens that are facing the band right, and then have the faces of the people there, you know, with their little lighters. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, I would take it. I'll take yeah, it. yeah, and it, and if your sound guy was wanted to be, you know, uh, 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 provide a, a positive reinforcement for the band, he might uh, you know, like uh, fly in, you know, huge crowd noise from Wembley Stadium or something like that, which will make you guys, oh, oh, this is awesome. Okay, I feel good. That or the laugh track from Friends episode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it it's interesting to do another thing about the live streams. Uh, they're nerve wracking for me because now it's online and it lives forever. The thing about a show is it's, <laughs> you know, you can be, you, you know, something goes wrong. It's like you work your way through it and everything on a live stream, something goes wrong. People are just sitting there watching it. <laughs> they go, Oh, that was a bad one. <laughs> no redoing this, you know? It's, yeah. 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 It takes away the mandala type of uh, painting that they, you yeah. get with the live show. It's a uh, one and done and, and moving on. So, all right. So let's get you back to uh, Wheaton, Missouri. Uh, what was it like growing up uh, there in the, the Ozarks was, or, or I guess that's not really the Ozarks. Missouri. Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah, we're South. It? Yeah. The Ozarks, the, no. the whole, it's kind of like, I, I always wondered about new England. It's kind of that kind of thing. The Ozarks encompass this whole kind of area that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great. It's a town of 600 people. Um, it was, that's pretty small. Yeah. There was, and I grew up my, so you rode a horse to school. Uh, right? I, no, actually, <laughs> I, it wasn't far enough away to get on the horse and get, <laughs> I could just walk across the street. Uh, but seriously, it was like that. And uh, there's just, it was great to be in the, have the country and the freedom, that, that kind of thing. And, but I just, my dad was in a band. So I grew up. Yeah, that's what I read. I, I, so what, original band, cover bands, or just yeah. any band? Yeah. He, yeah. They made a record. Uh, it was, he was in, you know, like more of like Alabama esque, like those kind of groups, like the country. Uh, but you know, they did. They did lots of harmonies. Uh, five guys singing at the same time. That sort of so thing. I, I grew up around. You know, my mom's water broke at one of his gigs with me. So that's uh, that's how. I wow, that's very rock and roll, man. So, uh, so uh, born at a show. Yeah, pretty much, man. And uh, but just growing up there, um, there wasn't a budding rock scene, as you can imagine. Uh, but uh, a little more country uh, type of uh, part of the country, especially back then. The music business wasn't booming in that. You know, I was 28 <laughs> in my graduating class. So uh, mm -hmm. there was eight in the neighboring school graduating class that same year. So that's, it's like Little House on the Prairie style stuff. But it, it, it fed me to, you know, to look for something and to, and to get out. And, and playing guitar was my escape. I, that's all I did. I just sat in my room and played guitar. I would go to my dad's gig. And, roadie for mm. uh, eventually i got to start jamming with them you know when i was like 12 and 13 and, and then i kind of put my own band together and uh and we played around as much as we could and then it, and you hit a wall and you're like you know i don't want to be a weekend warrior anymore i want to do this full time and so i had to get out and that's what led me to phoenix arizona you know, for school so as you're growing up obviously music's a, a part of the family uh lifestyle with your dad playing uh before i'm sure he had a, a good size record collection that you could uh 
pull from. But uh, what what I, I'd love to ask this question because it says a lot about choices. And what what was the first record that you bought with your own money? Ah, oh, that's a good. You know, what's really messed up about this, and you're gonna laugh, was I had I think it was. Uh, Leonard Skinner, it was one, or it was Eagles, Hell Freezes Over, and Leonard Skinner. I went and got these two CDs, right? Uh -huh. But before that, I had a, a, a Dr. Dre record CD, you know? And I just got it because everybody in my class was listening to rap all of a sudden. And for the cuss words, I'm pretty sure, is why we did it any better. And because uh, we were little kids, you know? But... Um, an upperclassman had he was cruising around and he had Zeppelin's first record and you know and I, he was playing his truck and I was like what is this and it blew my mind and so I traded him my Dr. Dre CD for that which I was like I'll never forget that moment and there you go I was watching the other day Wayne's World was on and I mm -hmm. love Wayne's World right and I remember my mom taking me and like three of my buddies to the movies when it came out and that scene when Garth when Foxy Lady starts playing, that's the first time I'd ever heard Jimi Hendrix in my life. And I, it clicked, and I was like, I remember turning to my buddy in there, and I was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's Jimi Hendrix. It's like, who? Yeah, Jimi who? And I went right out and got every Hendrix record I could. I got the fuzzy blacklight posters and all that stuff, man. I was hooked after that. So, so okay, Led Zeppelin won. Uh, uh, Obviously, you know, you drop the needle on, on that and you get Bonzo with his off time, uh, a cowbell thing to set up good times, bad times. And then you're in going, what the fuck was that? Uh, yeah, that's, that was, that's some pretty heavy stuff. That set me off. I was like, I could not believe because I, I grew up, I, I was hung out with the older guys, the older crowd, you know, and mm -hmm. they were all, you know, into, uh, you know, docking or slaughter or. Cause that was that time, you know, and, uh, and I never just, uh, the Guns N' Roses is what caught me when that record came, you know, when I finally, you know, heard that and everything, but I just kind of, the, those other bands just didn't connect with me like Zeppelin did or Credence or any of that, ZZ Top, that kind of stuff. So I'm grateful mm -hmm. for that, by the way, because yeah. it lasts, you know. It's got that, well, yeah, you know, that that is a, an interesting thing is, uh, you know, I was going to ask you. So, you know, you're you're still building a career and, you know, you're talking about guys that have, you know, these that are still relevant 50 plus years Incredible. on in, in in a lot of people don't understand in musical tastes. They, they change normally fairly rapidly. Uh, and, you know, for some reason, this, you know, particular uh, type of music, um, and, you know, uh, has hung on. Uh, you know, a lot of people have called rock and roll dead for decades. Let me tell you, I used to hear about it in the 70s. Okay, so, you know, <laughs> it's still holding on. Uh, and, and, you know, it's uh, granted, it's, it's not the cultural significant touchstone that it maybe uh, once was, but it still holds this sway and this weight 
um, that uh, other musical art forms haven't quite um, achieved. I, I don't, I'm not quite sure we'll ever see a period like we, we did, uh, you know, certainly from the, the, the 60s uh, through, uh, through the 80s uh, and, not, and maybe even the, in through the 90s. Um, but um, uh, where, you know, this, this was the language of the youth. I mean, this is how we spoke to each other was through those, this is the tribes we chose was through those bands and that sort of stuff. You know, music is a little bit more of a, of a, um, uh, a background. Uh, you know, and you mentioned social media, you know, social media. A lot of people ask me, oh, well, what is the music that's going to make the difference? And I said, no, it's not, it's not music. It's social media. Social media is the cultural signifier of today. Yeah. And what tribe you yeah. live in and that sort of thing. So, you know, so, but, you know, what, if you are lucky to have a 50-year career, what do you hope to look back on and go, wow, look what I accomplished? Um, just that it survives, really, you know, just to be like, and to not say that I made the same record over and over again. That's exactly what I don't want to do. That's mm. Sunshine, you know, the record we just put out, we recorded in our own studio, in our garage, actually, our rehearsal space. We just converted it and brought in gear from Johnny K, our producer, and we made the whole record in our rehearsal spot. And now the one we're working on out here, we completely moved out of the garage. We're in the Ozarks. We're not in the city. And... uh and we're in this beautiful house and we're just living and breathing it. And you can already tell in the tracks we've cut that you can hear the difference. And it's, it's growth is what I, you know, just another, it's another way of doing things, you know, not to, it's necessarily any better. It's just different. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it is a little better, but, uh, I'm really happy with it. Should be a little better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, continual improvement uh, should yeah. be the uh, the the uh, the direction. Yeah. The ride is a spice of life, man. That's right. like, you know, I want like a, I want every uh, my career's last like that. Like, look at Robert Plant. That guy has killed it. He's got to do everything that he's wanted to do. Work with everybody he's wanted to work with. He had he was in Zeppelin, and then he went solo, and then he's did the Allison Krauss record that was just phenomenal Matt T. Bone Burnett, yeah man that thing is just great and then uh he's out with this uh shape what is this shapeshifters yeah yeah it's like yeah it's so where they're reimagining some of the zeppelin songs in a really right. fucking cool way too it's, yeah. it's like, that guy's career is is pretty spectacular you know he can say he's tried it all really you know he's done everything that he wants to do so yeah to not be sterile that's what i don't want to look back and be like mm -hmm. the same record for 50 years, you know, with bands, some bands can do that. ACDC, they don't give any qualms about that. And yeah, and they're, but that's ACDC. They can get away with that. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, um, uh, you know, every, uh, every other album, at least there's one song that just becomes an instant classic again. Yeah. You're like, sure, it, it, it sounds like Highway to Hell, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It still sounds fucking great. Yeah, that's Angus for you, you know. So, so I mean, you know, who who are your biggest uh, influences as you're writing today? Um, well, you know, I always keep Jimmy Page in mind because that guy's just, you know, the best. He mm -hmm. it, did you want to be a marine biologist when you were uh, twelve years old? <laughs> no, no, that wasn't me. I was a. I still wanted to just play guitar when I was twelve. <laughs> I'm a, I've, I'm in a, I play guitar and then also can, you know, maybe 
flip burgers or something. I don't probably oh. suck at that too. I went, well, well there's, there's a famous video of him at 15. Uh, a, a BBC, you know, journalist is throws a microphone in his face and says, you know, so, you know, do, do you want to take this guitar thing seriously and take it somewhere? And he's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to be a Marine biologist. Oh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Jimmy, uh, you know, certainly uh, extraordinary uh, in um, uh, in his um, uh, ability to, you know, create riffs uh, that stand, you know, the test of time. Uh, but, you know, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, mm. his approach to stuff is really cool. It, it, he, listening to those records makes me think outside the box, especially when it comes to... Uh, solos and chord progressions and that kind of thing you know because mm -hmm. he he just he takes it out of left field you know you're like i did not see that coming and it does so good it's it's amazing i agree i agree you know uh you know there are a couple of uh you know rock acts that seem to be getting some attention uh again these days uh you know i i know you guys are fans of wolf mother which i think kind of started a bit of um of a of a resurgence uh, if you will and granted it's a key driven uh band um but um uh you know who's the zeppelin um the sound Greta Van Fleet, is that what you're talking Greta about? Greta Van Fleet, yeah. I mean, they're huge. The Struts, who sound a little like Queen uh, in some ways. I, we've seen both of those bands before everything uh, went down. And uh, yeah, the Struts, their show was great. Their front man has got the thing. Oh, Luke Spiller is, yeah. He's great. I've never seen, he had the whole room on, he got them all to get down on the floor. <laughs> all jump up. It was 2,500 people in the room. And it was just, we were in the balcony, just kind of watching it. And I, I was just so impressed. It was great. And then uh, uh, I'm trying to think there's, you know, Rival Sons are doing a great job. Yeah, Rival Sons is another good one. Yeah. Um, man, there's, there's a few. Uh, well, I, I think that's what's important. You know, you know I think back on the, the, the Beatles and the Stones and the Who uh, and the Kinks and, uh, you know, all those guys were you know, the competition was so stiff and, you know, you heard, you know, the latest album and you said, well, shit, I got to beat that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that really, you know, has a lot to do with why there are such classic songs and albums from that era is because the competition was so stiff and, and everybody knew that they had to one up the next, uh, the next guy. Yeah. You know, are you able to, are you able to find the same thing out there? Um, uh, uh, it's a hard one, huh? It is, yeah, because not that we don't pay attention to what everybody else is doing, because I listen to everybody's records, you know, we, I, yeah, yeah, everything. Uh, but we just, we definitely go have our own path. And so, not that, I mean, everything's inspiration for me, you know, whether it's the, the clock click clicking around, you know, and, uh, or just stuff just like is inspiring. But as far as other people's records right now, I haven't heard I haven't heard an entire album. Which, again, in everybody's defense too, a lot of people are just putting out singles or EPs. They're not even doing the full length record anymore. Yeah, there there is um, some uh, evidence that perhaps the art form of the album uh, is um, you know, is dying. Uh, yeah, I like to have an album. Like <laughs> check, I just got this in the mail. Oh, and vinyl. Yeah. Oh, check this out. It's yellow. Oh my God! Nice. <laughs> our first vinyl. The sun, right? Yeah. So, uh, so this came out really well. I'm 
So that's that's why I like to make records because I want to hold it in my hand. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, the tangible and and that's that's part of the issue is that you know the, the these works are now you know just. Uh, pieces of digital data uh and and they're not they're they're not you know tangible to be held in your hands you know you just pulled out a 12 inch uh record which means that you know there's artwork to admire there's liner notes to read i want to see who recorded what who played what who wrote what you know yeah 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 but uh you know in this fast-paced world there's there's less of that and there seems to be more of this interest in just you know it's consumable is the problem is that uh you know um uh you know back in the day you know there there were like you know maybe a thousand people in the music business you know and you know now there's certainly ten thousand people if not a hundred thousand people uh they're all vying for eyeballs or ear share if you will and uh you know there's a lot of mediocrity and it's hard uh, without you know radio used to provide um uh this first level of influence you know it was these disc jockeys who uh you know took their job serious and they were the gatekeepers and they determined what was was good and bad especially when you got into that fm uh dj world uh who you know knew you know their history and knew you know who was uh, really good and, and not and uh you know they could help break a band and it's really hard to 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 get that these days not that way anymore it's so frustrating that in that aspect of things because djs have no control anymore they, no it's it's some some programmer in new york that is yeah, determining the, the across the country you don't play what you're told and you'll lose your job i mean that's mm. not simple and so that that's that's disheartening as far as the music business goes but i mean it, it's still out there you know the program directors everybody that we've come across has been super great and really nice to us and and honest sometimes brutally honest which we appreciate too you know uh yeah you need that yeah but um uh we, we've just come into a weird a weird time in everything right now <laughs> so. yeah uh to be honest with you the world has not seen uh something like this uh certainly since world war ii uh, this this is a global situation uh we don't know how it's going to go uh there's no assurance to uh to an end uh and what's going to be on the other side of that um so uh i i hear you and and i i feel bad for you guys i mean you you know you're you're up and coming you're you've made three albums uh since 2012 and uh you know this one definitely has that feel of of a real oh these guys are about ready to 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 hit it big in fact i think you were uh, due uh to open for metallica at a stadium show right i was on their first stadium show and man that was just ugh. it's hard to even talk about i can imagine because we had festivals lined up after that it was kind of okay you know we've been touring here and now okay this is the next step yeah and it was just a kick in the nuts Man, it was tough. But we, you know, we're uh, we're survivors. We're going to figure it out. So that's why we just keep working. Well, you know, I'll I'll, I'll tell you the um, what what I've seen is uh, those that are dedicated to the craft that have no plan B uh, and that keep their nose clean, and I mean that literally and figuratively. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
are the ones that uh, you know can make a, a serious career uh, out of playing music. You know, I, I'm not quite sure if the if you know if if you're going to get uh, your own Starship plane like uh, like Zeppelin did, but you know, at, at least a good decent tour bus. Yeah, uh, right. Just I just don't want to drive it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I I understand you guys bought a correctional bus because uh, uh, we. It was the point where the band van had, we had so many bands and we needed to up our game. And, uh, and we found our, my drummer, Chico, he found uh, on Craigslist an LA County probation bus and it was completely gutted. And we went and picked it up and built that thing out. And it is, it's, we definitely bleached the hell out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still got the cop lights on it, which is really cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we've messed with a few bands here and there, pulling up behind, pulling up on stage <laughs> or whatever it is behind the venue. So but it's great. Very nice. Yeah. Of course, we get a tour bus, and then now there's no tours. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, again, uh, going back and spending time in the the recording uh, studio uh, to add more material, which you know adds more to uh, a backlog, uh, more song choices uh, in a show. Um, you know, usually, uh, you know, more gives you the cream of the crop to pull from. Yeah. So this may not, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, uh, and uh, you guys are able to put out a really good uh, uh, record that um you know that that that'll make it worthwhile for sure um okay so let, let's talk about the new album sunshine um and you know what are your thoughts about re, you know having to release it in these unprecedented times well we went back and forth ab- about that about should we wait to put it out and you know we know a lot of bands or a lot of artists did wait mm. but yeah yeah it gave us even more of why i mean we'd already you know in our position now and the level we are, you don't, there's no just like making a record and okay, well, here it is. It's done. Let's put it out. You know, there's like months of planning to go in. To, well, and we, we decided to go ahead with it one, because it was already slated. It was, you know, we'd been working on it for so long. We just wanted to get it out anyway, but yeah. we figure if everybody's held up at home, you know, what better time for them to listen it in, you know, and actually yeah. pay attention to it and, you know, instead of just throwing it in their car and like, or whatever it is, they're listening to it. You know, now they're, now they get to, you know, listen to it and pay yeah. it, be there in it or whatever. <laughs> I'm glad we did it this way. Um, you know, I, again, if, if you guys have gone right back to the studio and you have this time, uh, you can't tour and, you know, uh, to be able to really, really focus and take your time, which, you know, you don't normally get. I, I think that might turn out pretty good for you, and I, I'm really excited to see where it goes. So, try me, take me through a little bit about um, you know the three albums now. So, you started with the uh, you know the original 2012, the uh, eponymous, uh, the Black Moods, uh, and then I think it was 2018. So, just a couple of years ago that you came out with the second album, right? That's it came out. The first one we did because um, we had kind of a buddy of ours who produced the first two records just kind of hit up, hit me up. And he's, uh, cause Chico and I were doing other things at the time. And he, he's just said, Hey, you guys want to make a black moods record? And it was just the perfect time that we were all like, yes, let's do that. And so we just went in there and I'd been writing songs. And so we kind of had them and, 
and got that album done and it was all on our own. We self, you know, independent release and all that stuff. And then, and then we started touring and doing ourselves, you know, we literally made press packets and three of us went out on the road and we would go, we would just book any little shitty club or place that would have us, you know, cause we didn't understand the booking agent aspect of things and all this kind of stuff. So we, we just got a map out and cause being from Missouri, we're like, well, we can go back and play in Missouri around there and play in Arizona and try to fill it in between. And that's what we did. And, and it worked. And then we got a deal with another century uh, and started uh, making a record where we actually started making the second record and they came in and signed us in the middle of that. And then Sony bought them up during the making of that. So all of a sudden we have management, we have a major label and we just think it's going to be the best thing in the world. We're like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. And we started touring. So this was during the making of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and so, and we started getting better shows and actually had a booking agent and all this kind of stuff, but it was slow going and we couldn't make a move without talking to the label or getting their approval. And, and they were just like, ah, and then they weren't going to go radio with any of the songs off the album. And I just blew my mind and they just kept saying, well, you're not a radio band, you're a touring band. We're going to, you're going to break my touring. And we're, we're just pissed off because, you know, sitting in my room playing guitar when I was 12 years old and listening to the radio, you want to be on the radio. That's like the, that's the fun of it. You know, that's, that's everything. And, uh, so that was really frustrating. And then they just kind of kept us on the back burner is what it seemed like. So we asked to get out of that deal and it, we've had to fight to get out of it and like pulling teeth. And, and finally we got out of the thing and we were lucky enough to sign with steel horse, which is a brand new label, but they believe in us and they got our backs and they let us, they leave us alone when it comes to making the records and, and provide us a, a they keep us sheltered from all the bullshit really right. great. Mm-hmm. And that, and then we, they put that record, they put sunshine out and we've had, we went from what we weren't a radio band to having four top 40 singles already from this record. There you go. So, so much for Sony and what they know, huh? Yeah, and I, I can't, I, I don't, you don't know how many times I've heard this story of like the suits going, no, no, we got this. We know how to do this. We're the experts. And it ain't that, that, that ain't the fact. It's, it's the truth. And not, I don't hold anything against those guys because I just feel like they didn't know what to do with us because mm-hmm. that's what they said. They didn't know you're, you know, we're a modern classic rock band is kind of what, and they, they said, there's no place to put you guys because there's alternative radio. We're not an alternative band or there's active rock. And we're, we're not like, you know, five finger death punch or any of that shit. We're, you know, we're, we're a three piece rock and roll band. And for some reason that was so hard to figure out where to put a rock and roll band on the radio for those guys. And, and uh, you know, we've kind of, we're starting to find our home. I think we're, we're an active rock right now. And I still don't think that we're that much of an active rock band, but we kind of, we cover the board, you know, we're not pigeonholed. Like, you know, we could be triple a, we could, you know, we have an alternative side. It's, we just play rock songs. So however they come out, where you want to put those things, that's, that's what it is. Well, in the end, Josh, isn't it just about the song? I mean, if a song is a great song, it's going to find an audience if given half a chance. Absolutely. If you got people behind you that believe in what you're doing and and try and and, and hear the song and they, they believe in it, that's what makes the difference. Because uh, you know, 
I thought medicine, I thought there was, I think there's great songs on there and it, it should have had its chance at radio, but that just wasn't in the cards, I guess, for that label. So we had to move on. Well, you know, you have a new opportunity and uh, four singles out uh, is uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, what, which, what are the four singles? I know Belladonna is one of them. Yeah, Belladonna was the first, first one we put out and then uh, Bad News we put out after Bad that. News, yes. Okay. Bad News is our highest charting one. I think it was 24. And then we put out What You Got, which is more of an active rock. If there's, you know, if, if you got to put us in that thing, was that was the one. And mm -hmm. it was well as we thought it would. And it was coming a weird time, too, for radio because Ozzy and all these heavy hitters started putting records out. Which oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, hard to compete against that. Yeah. And so, uh, so uh, then what you got when that cycle finished, then we went with Sunshine. And I, I always thought Sunshine would be our home run uh, off the record as far as like, appealing to everyone you know it's it's got a, and it's and right now putting sunshine out and during all the shit that's going on i think is the best thing it's because it is it's everybody needs a little sunshine in their life you know <laughs> why not certainly now yeah so uh, and it's i think it's 20 so this is this is our first top 20 hit that we've had which good. Uh, yeah it's and it feels good you know now i read that you guys and producer johnny k didn't always see eye to eye now he's our brother he'd always give me a hard time you know uh, and that's what a producer's for he's there to ruffle your feathers to get to get the make you think yeah it makes he's turn over every stone is what he says let's let's see where this goes and and if you can try it and nothing's better than the original idea then you got the original idea but if you find something else that works then and he, he did he helped a lot of the songs grow and mm -hmm. uh, and you know but he did have his his moments where he'd, he'd make like comments to me when I was tracking vocals, like, uh, uh, sing it like you did when I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Play it like you did when I dug it. You know? Yeah. I guess. Uh, maybe, maybe it needed a little more anger in the, uh, yeah. in the delivery, huh? <laughs> there was some tears shed. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, a, it's a little hard to take at points, but that's what I asked for. That's what we wanted. That's why we brought well, them. Well, they're, you know, they're your babies and, uh, you know, uh, you want, you want to protect them and you want to keep them the way they are and, uh, you know, love, love them regardless if they were born cross-eyed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well put. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, how did Tempe, Arizona become, you know, your, uh, uh, your home base until just recently? Uh, well, uh, the Jim Blossoms were one of my favorite bands. Still are. Growing up, I was uh, I was just hooked. My dad was watching the American music. I was in my room playing cocaine over and over on guitar, annoying the hell out of my mother, by the way. And uh, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like, very terribly, might I add. It's like if you could fuck up a song, I was doing it at twelve years old. Two chords. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, my dad was watching uh, an award show. You just wanted to say cocaine over and over yeah, again. Ah, like, oh, that's awesome. But my dad is watching American Music Awards or something, and the Blossoms were on there playing Hey Jealousy, and my dad's like, he calls me Bub. You know, my whole family does. So he's like, hey, Bub, get in here. And I so I come running in there. He's like, look at this band. He's like, this is great. He's like, this, this is a great song. You could you should write songs like this. And so from then on, I was just like, I'm going to be in the gym balls. My dad thinks they're cool. And, and uh and so I had all the records and then the band I had in high school, we covered a lot of Blossom songs and, and uh, the Blossoms had broken up and they went 
separate ways. And the lead singer had started another band and his band happened to be coming through Springfield, Missouri, which we were close. I lived close to there, grew up there. And so I got all the guys in my band tickets and we went to the show. And after the show, uh, we got stoned with him in our, we got him, we met him after the show and we're like, Hey, you know, you want to get stoned? And he's like, sure. So he got in our band van, which is a piece of shit. And we gave him our demo tape. Which oh, wow. That must have been exciting. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, which I'm sure our, he our moment. <laughs> yeah. And We're going to make it after this. <laughs> yeah, I walked him back to his to the bus and uh, he told me, he's like, go to college. Don't get in the music business, whatever you do. And he said, but if you wind up coming out to Tempe, Arizona, I have a studio out there. He's like, look me up. And I was like, holy shit. So I w- immediately went back home and, and, uh, and I found him on, I found the studio and everything. And uh, in the back of Rolling Stone magazine was a, an ad for the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. And so I put in to go to school there and wound up getting in and I moved to, moved to Tempe. And, uh, and I, tried, I went to find Robin, but I wasn't 21 to go in the bar and he was playing acoustic. And so they threw me out of the bar before I got a chance to hang out with him. But I told him I was going to the conservatory. So he's like, come to buy my studio. You can get some intern hours. Time went by. I never saw him again. And when I was, I was getting ready to move to Nashville and uh, to go to school there or to do my internship in Nashville. And he had, there was a flyer up at school. And it was my last day there. And on the flyer, it said, wanted conservatory student from Missouri, Smoky Van required. And... And he, I, is, he is looking for you. And that's, he didn't remember my name or this. And uh, so when I finally called him, he was like, no, because uh, he had other guys call about the, the internship. And uh, he's like, no, the guy I'm looking for. And I said, we got you stoned in my van. And I said, also, you hit on my girlfriend. He's like, Josh, I've been trying to. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> so, uh, so I wound up hooking up with him and, and doing my whole internship at his, his studio. And that's. When I met Chico and we mm. working on our own songs, I wound up going out on tour as their guitar tech and stage manager for a while with the Blossoms. And uh, dreams really do come true. For my 21st birthday, I was handing off Scotty Johnson, the guitar player, because we switched guitar, you know, at a certain point in the set. And and there was like I don't know 5,000 people in the audience, and I was like, here. And he's like, I take it. He's like, no, I'm not taking that. And I'm getting nervous. I'm like, you take this damn thing. We got to switch it out. He's like, no, you're playing it. Happy birthday. And I look at all the. Oh, shit. It still stands up when I talk about it. Oh, man. And then they made a big deal out of it. And I got to play I Need to Know by Tom Petty with the Chim Blossoms on my 21st birthday. That's pretty fucking cool. It was great, man. And they're they're my best friends now. Like, and they take us out on the road with them. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that was my dream when I was 13 years old. I was going to be in that band, play guitar with them. And I did that, you know, so uh, it's been really inspiring. And they've introduced me to, you know, it's crazy. The phone numbers that I have now are a lot of my heroes that I grew up with their records. And it's just like I can call them and ask advice or, or all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm very lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what tells me that, uh, you know, you guys do have a real shot at, uh, at becoming something you know, once we get on the other side of this thing, uh, you know, and, and, you. you know, we'll, we'll get you there. So uh, tell me a little bit about Chico Diaz and what he brings and what uh, Jordan Hoffman brings to the, to the trio. Chico's kind of the brains of the operation. He's a, uh, he's, he's the one, he's good at math in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so him and I met in 
we just hit it off and we have, we both are really driven, you know? Mm-hmm. So we just, we've been stuck together for, I don't know, like I said, I met him in 2000. We were kids, 2003, whatever it was, 2004. And, uh, great drummer but you know he's just really supportive and and like my vision and what i see you know and we he's 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 my brother and jordan the same way you know we met jordan he was playing in a band because he'd moved from ohio to la been living out there like five years so he was in another band and we played they opened up for us in arizona and he wound up we just we kind of stole him you know and he he flew out and and auditioned and jammed with us we played he flew here we played an hour ran through like an hour's worth of tunes and it was hey let's go get drunk somewhere and then we just went mm. and the next week we went and got his shit and he moved to arizona and now that's that's the story man and and he's he's great too he's songwriting like he's brought a lot to the table songwriting wise and, and all that stuff so yeah, but can he can he play bass, sing, uh, play keyboards with his ass, and uh, Taurus pedals with his foot like uh, like Getty Lee? Yeah, yeah he's he's not. <laughs> you just get him there over time. Get yeah, him there over time. <laughs> he he's not playing that the the keys with the, the bass parts with his feet yet. You know, <laughs> get there. <laughs> So, uh, what is for our gearheads? What's uh, what's the rig that uh, that you uh, enjoy taking out with you on the road? I actually have uh, a cu- my the amps I use are called Fopstar amps. Um, a guy out of Phoenix named Drew Fop Boutique. Yeah, it, they're just incredible. Uh, and I I've known him since we were kids too. But he he goes out. Well, when they were touring, he was out with Fleetwood Mac forever. And then uh, the Deftones is his gig, and he's just he just did the Smashing Pumpkins tour, uh, but he's just he's a he's like Doc Brown from Back to the Future, dude. He is just so my whole tone. He mods all my pedals, you know, and my pedals are pretty basic. I use a you know like just a super overdrive and a, a verb and a couple delays or whatnot. But I'm pretty bare bones when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, and then. Uh, I got a couple strats, some custom strats that I had made, you know, the guitar, the main guitars that I use didn't cost me more than 200 bucks, you know? Really? Yeah. The, the less what, like Epi's or something. No, this, well, yeah. The, the, my Epiphone that I got when I was 12 years old, it was, um, it's a 76, uh, Epiphone. Oh, so it's like before they started cutting the headstocks off to where they look a little cheaper or whatnot. And it weighs, it's just, it's a, it's, it's my baby. And like I said, I got it when I was 12 and he's modded that thing to where it's just, you know, amazing. And then the Strat I use, it's like, it, you know, it's a Franken Strat. It's a piece of this and a piece of that. And a, a guy, and, and a guy in the opening band had it. And he's like, Hey, we play my guitar and we're playing a Tulsa Raceway. And I was like, no, I'm not playing your damn guitar. I got my guitar. Well, then we had a couple more drinks and I'm like, go get it. I'll play it. And as soon as I played it, I told our tour manager, I'm like, whatever it takes, give me this guitar. And he comes back, he's like 200 bucks and he hands it to me. It's like, shit. So those are my two main guitars that I use. Wow. That's pretty incredible. It's great, man. I I love them. And, you know, but I've got. I mean, that's classic. I mean, you've got, you've got the Les Paul sound and you've got the, uh, the Fender Strat, you know, no, no, nothing, uh, you know, uh, like a Jackson or, or, or Paul Reed Smith or any of that. And, and I've got, 
you know, probably 30 guitars, but mm. uh, I always go back to those. They don't quite feel right in the hands. I, yeah. And, and they're great for the studio for when we're recording. So I can try a bunch of different stuff, but yeah, but live there, I got my work courses, you know? Yeah. 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 You're married to only two women. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a wine snob, uh, describe, uh, to me a bottle of Belladonna red. Oh man. It's, I, we've been approached about, you know, doing different things like making a beer or whiskey and putting our name on that kind of thing. And, and I've never, I've we've tried it and I've never liked them. And then a friend of ours mentioned, you know, what you guys be interested in, you know, lending your name to a, a bottle of wine and like, let me try it first. Cause I don't want to put my name on shit. <laughs> we went to go did this tasting and we picked it out. It's a red blend. Um, it comes from California and they bottle it in Arizona and uh, it's great. I'm, I'm a fan of it. You know, it goes, it goes great with anything. <laughs> it goes great with anything. Chicken strips or steaks, whatever. Fish, whatever. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need no white wine, man. But, uh, it's good. White the, wine's for pussies. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then speaking of that, we did a sun, we have a sunshine that's going to come out and it is the white wine. It's like, a, oh, it's a sweeter one. That I, you know, it's good. But mm. I'm, I'm more uh, the Belladonna red wine kind of guy. I'm with you. Merlot cab kind of fella, you know. Right, right. Or Jameson. Right, right. That's another Jameson. <laughs> that's you prefer, not not the wine. Let's just get right to the whiskey. Right. <laughs> Man. Well, Josh Kennedy, thanks so much for being with us on Deeper Digs today. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Hit me up whenever, man. We're, we're not going anywhere. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, yeah, we'll have to check back in as that new album's getting, uh, getting done. Absolutely. I'll keep you posted. She said, I got something good for you, something good like I knew you would. I come around late like you always do in the doorway she stood. Big thanks to Josh Kennedy for sitting down and talking with us today. Um, be sure to go and check out their latest release, Sunshine, wherever you get your uh, favorite music. Keep an eye on them because like all good uh, rock bands, the live show is the thing. Um, I'm keeping them on my list when the tour bus revs back up and uh, gets everyone back on the road. Also, go check out their website, uh, theblackmoods.com. Deep in the Dig... Marty Hopes, uh, a digger, uh, a fan, said uh, this uh, to me this weekend or sent that to me this weekend uh, in a nice message. Marty's a digger out in Montana, and uh, I like the term, deep in the digs. <laughs> uh, I think he was listening to a lot of our shows is what that means. Uh, I told him I was stealing it. Um, you know, uh, who else? is deep in the digs. I'd like to know, uh, send me your, uh, uh, your cards and letters, your unhinged rants. Um, I thought I should just give a shout out to all of you who make what we do here at Pantheon podcasts, uh, something special without you. Why keep doing what we're doing? Um, uh, 
we'd hoped a community of like-minded folks would enjoy endless discussion on music history told in a variety of uh, edutainment, if you will, shows. And sure enough, every month the paper boy brings more. All of this has been done by word of mouth. Uh, we've spent very little on marketing so far. We really wanted to gain the street cred of the underground first. We wanted to spend the last few years honing the chops and getting literally one fan at a time. Um, kind of like uh, Josh and the Black Moods. Uh, they are doing it the old school way, which I think you know gives you a base of authentic, authentic fans that will stay with you forever. And that is my point this week. We built an army of authentic fans now. And, uh, you know, this month we will go over 250,000 listens in a, in a single month. We're, we're growing by double digits every month. And that is all on you guys. Big, big thank you. When I asked you to tell your friends, well, you dug in and did exactly that. We appreciate all of you who have sung the praises of rock and roll archaeology, deeper digs, you know, and all the Pantheon shows that we have. I think it's almost 50. I think we're 48 or 49. Pretty pretty soon it's going to be 50 and then it'll be 100. Uh, We're just we're we're just looking to continue to grow this and give you guys as much uh, music commentary, interviews, history. Boy, I'll tell you, we got a couple of things that are up our sleeve that um, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy here. And, you know, again, pay attention to this space. I'm always, you know, uh, calling out the latest uh, that we have. So um, I know not everyone likes every show. Um, I mean, who would? <laughs> Especially when you start to get to, to have about 50 um, but what we do know is that every show has found its own fans and uh, continues to grow. Also, we've heard some complaints on the, the big pipe where almost all the shows are put into the feed, the, the Pantheon podcast feed. It's our magazine format. And, and like a magazine, um, you know, you read the articles that most interest you, you know, and bypass the ones that don't. Easy breezy, huh? I like to explain it as our sampler plate. Uh, if you really like a show, um, please go over to that show's individual feed and subscribe only to the shows you like. Now, I mean, if you like all the shows, you have the big pipe, the Pantheon main feed, you're all good. But uh, some people I know um, say, geez, I don't like this one. I don't like that one. And if, if, if it bothers you, it's in your feed, then, you know, uh, find um, uh, the ones that mean something to you and put those uh, in there. So there's, it's just two, di- two different ways to do it when you, when you get right down there. All right. Uh, they are all there in your favorite podcast app. I guarantee you. But... By far, you all seem to love what we are doing by and large, and we thank you for that. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, Next week, we have another legend for you. Shep Gordon will be joining me in Maui. Well, he's in Maui, and I just fantasize about being there. Shep is a legendary manager, uh, most famously being Alice Cooper's one and only manager throughout his entire career. But Shep is even more than that. He created the Celebrity Chef, made some amazing movies, and worked with many others in the music world. We cover everything because Shep was so generous with his time. Oh, man, it's it's a big one. It's a long one, but it's great. So come on back for that one. All right? Okay, until then, 
Y'all know what to do. Keep up the rocking. See you sail with a hot hand. Stop me. Another mole in a cold stare. Digs is hosted by Christian Swain. Produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Sound designed by Busy Signal Studios. Engineered by Jerry Danielson, Christy O'Donnell, and Leslie Barker. Find all of our shows, notes, and social links at PantheonPodcast.com. Contact us on social at Pantheon Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found used in this podcast for purchase or streaming wherever you get your great music. Please pick up these amazing tracks.